the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We are, as a corporate people, to recognize that we worship a wonderful, active, and capable God. God is wonderful for His people. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Let's get underway with today's message entitled, His Name is Wonderful. And we'll bring you the first portion of this broadcast here now today. Remember, you can always listen to these messages in their entirety without interruption online at reachingyourheart.com. Pastor Mike. Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful today for Christmas. And what it means that somehow in Jesus, we were all wrapped up tight We were all placed in him in Bethlehem's manger because Jesus is the second Adam. And we were kept there all the way through Christ's journey to the cross. And Father, we're grateful it's good news that we're still with him in his heart. Bless us this day with Jesus in his name. Amen. How many of you like to have surprises in life that are unpredicted? Anybody like this? No, not a few. How many of you had surprises that freak you out? Okay, I've had those kind. Some surprises aren't wonderful at all, and these kind of surprises are the kind you want to avoid at all costs. It was their wedding day. David Hoffman was expecting to see his beautiful bride, Brianna Davis, in her wedding dress, exquisitely made just for him, the glory of the day. It was all in play. Every young groom looks forward to that first magical moment when the doors will open, the music is just right, and the bride starts walking down in that glorious wedding dress. Now, humor can take a sick turn at times in life, and sick it turned that day for David, who was expecting something wonderful to greet him. The idea wasn't his bride's to be, but it was his, not David, but Timmy's idea. Timmy was his best man. Timmy got an idea to change the service and to bring a little humor into it. He burrowed into the mix. He really shouldn't have been doing this, but he did. He burrowed into the mix. He convinced David's bride to go along with it, which was a huge act of persuasion. Timmy had no idea that it would make the wedding wonderful in the wrong kind of way. He thought, wow, they'll never forget this. What we do today will leave an indelible impression on their memory forever. Unique. The photographer captured the moment for future generations to never forget. In fact, it made national news. As the wedding dress appeared, David's heart stopped dead in its tracks as he saw the wedding dress coming forward. But it didn't look right because the wrong person was in the wedding dress. It wasn't Brianna. 
It was his best man, Timmy, coming down the aisle in the wedding dress. Unbelievable. David shared with reporters how wonderful in the wrong kind of way it was for him. He said, right in that moment, I was anxious. I was trying to calm my nerves because I was about to see my bride for the first time. I was expecting to see Brianna, and I turned around to see Timmy in a wedding dress. He was pale and hairy, and we love each other very much, but not in that way. I was falling down laughing. Well, when the wonder of the joke wore off, Timmy, the best man, was in a whole heap of trouble with David, the groom, and it wasn't wonderful anymore. They wrecked the wedding. A wonder is not always wonderful, is it? The Hebrew word for wonderful appears 12 times in the law of Moses. It's no accident it occurs 12 times. The very first time the word wonderful appears in the Bible, it is used in the book of Genesis by God himself when he appears to Abraham at the door where Sarah is at. God is here in human form interacting with Abraham, telling him about the promise of life, that he will in fact have a son. Sarah is listening in. Drama is in the air. And the wonderful promise was made by that supernatural traveler and Sarah's ear heard it and it somehow promised to reverse the hopelessness of being 90 years old. God said Sarah will have a son in the spring at the time of life. And when Sarah heard that wonderful promise at the tent store, she laughed at God in unbelief. Have you ever laughed at God? Some of you, how many of you have? A few of you have? I have. He said, Lord, why are you doing this? And laugh. She laughed. And then God said, why did you laugh? And Sarah said, I didn't laugh. Uh Uh-oh. God said, you did laugh. She was afraid of God because the promise was too wonderful for her to have in her old age. How can I have a baby? I'm 90 years old, moving toward 91. And yet she held on to the promise. She didn't let it go from her heart. The Bible's quick to add. She did it because she was afraid. Genesis 18, 14, God is speaking now. He says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Have you ever felt like something's just too hard for the Lord to work out in your life? You're struggling with that health risk. You're struggling with that financial situation, that fault of character. Something's dragging you down. And you ask the question, how on earth can God fix this in my life? Have you ever been there? Well, the preacher's been there. And so God is asking the question, and it could be asked to you today, is anything too hard for the Lord? And at the appointed time, I will return to you in the spring, and Sarah shall have a son. So God is speaking with certainty here. You know, the word translated hard is the Hebrew word pele, and it means wonder or wonderful. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord, Sarah? You're going to have a baby. Wonderful. Get used to the word wonderful because you don't worship any other kind of God than a wonderful God who brings about wonderful outcomes in your life. So forget the social security check and your approaching funeral plans and set up the nursery in the spring because I am bringing something wonderful into your life. It's time to be young again, Sarah. It's wonderful what God can do and will do for you. You know, there are times in life we wonder just how wonderful God is. And Sarah was no exception at that time of her life. She was asking those serious questions. She had hoped all her life for a baby boy. That wish was dear to her old and disappointed heart. She held to her old husband, hoping she could give him something, yet nothing she gave him. She wanted to be a mother and have a little baby boy for her husband. She couldn't provide. It seemed too wonderful for Sarah as a 90-year-old woman that she would have a son. 
And when the boy was born in the spring, and that he was, they named him Isaac, which means laughter, because he came right after God had made a wonderful promise and vow come true. That's the very first time in the Bible we have the word wonderful. The miracle baby was proof to Abraham and Sarah that God works wonders. I ask you the question today, do you believe that God can work wonders in your life? What are your expectations of God? Do you think that God can take the path of failure, of disappointment, and turn it into a valid and extremely exciting path of victory? In the Bible, wonders can also be a bad thing if you're on the wrong side of God's wonderful promise. You see, if we're an antagonist to God, God's wonders becomes God's judgments against us. God's word is a two-edged sword, the Bible says. Sarah was given a son in the spring, and it was a wonderful thing that God did this for her. The second time the word wonderful is used in the Hebrew Bible, it is used in the book of Exodus to describe the destruction that God leveled on the Egyptians when they would not let his wonderful will work in behalf of his people to set them free. He says, I will unleash my wonders on Egypt. In the spring, hundreds of years after the spring in which Isaac was born, God visited his people in Egypt and he unleashed wonders on the Egyptian empire to release his people. Exodus 3.20, God said, I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. Now, sometimes we think that the forces of evil can be best motivated by just being sweet and nice all the time. Friends, there are times when in the power of the Lord, we must stand up and be felt as a force of strength, not on our own strength, but by the authority of the word of God. There are times when nothing happens by being passive that God's people must be active. The exodus would have been a non-event if God's people had not followed the pillar of fire and cloud into the Red Sea forward. Nothing would have happened. And so God says, I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all the wonders which I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. You see, God can inflict wonders on God's enemies, whereby God shows the mercy of his grace for his people. At the Red Sea, Moses was inspired with a song of victory. It's one of the great songs of the Bible. In fact, Hebrew scholars who read Exodus 15 slow down. It's exquisite Hebrew that draws you in. The Red Sea, inspired by God, the song of Moses comes out. Look at verse 2, Exodus 15, 2. The Lord is my strength and my song. They've actually have this song in English. I wish we could learn it. I don't know it off the top of my head exactly right to share it with you, but the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. And notice what he's not saying here. He's not saying that we figured out how to save ourselves. It's not saying we're good enough to get to God's kingdom on our own. In fact, there's nothing about us in this statement. This mighty song of deliverance is about what God can do when we are following him, a mighty God. The Lord is my strength, my song, and he has become my salvation. And then this affirmation statement, this is my God. I mean, what kind of God do you worship? What kind of God do we worship? Friends, we worship a mighty God that is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he has cast into the sea, and his picked officers are sunk into the Red Sea. Then verse 11, who is like thee, O Lord, among the gods? I mean, compare the world religions out there. And you cannot find a God like the mighty God of Israel in any of them. 
Because the mighty God of Israel is a saving God, a personal God, a Yahweh, Jehovah kind of God who gets personal and comes to its people and takes them out of slavery. Who is like thee, it says, majestic in holiness, a moral God, not a temperamental deity, terrible and glorious deeds, doing wonders. I mean, you cannot speak of God without using the word wonderful in description of him. In Exodus 34.10, the word for wonders is used to describe God's covenant of promise that his people will inherit the land. God makes a promise. God keeps the promise. His people are saved because of his promise. It's wonderful. Leviticus 22.21, Leviticus 27.2, the word for wonderful is used as a promise in the fulfilling of a vow. God is wondrous when he fulfills his promises. Numbers 6-2, Numbers 15-3, Numbers 15-8. You move to the next book, it says the same thing. When God fulfills a vow or when we fulfill a vow, it's a wonderful thing. You know, when someone keeps the truth, when someone honors their commitments, isn't that wonderful? God is wonderful. In Deuteronomy 17-8, the word wonderful is used to describe something that's hard to understand and work out in court. And so you have to get a wise counselor to come in and help you. And the outcome is wonderful. A legal resolution that God is in the mix with wisdom is wonderful. Friend, God is the one who works wonders in court for his people. And so we should take every matter of concern to God in prayer. How many of you want to pass the scrutiny of the judgment day? You want to be okay in the judgment day? We worship a wonderful God who keeps his promises, who can get us through the final court scene at the end of time. In Deuteronomy 28, 59, the word wonderful is used again for the wonderful plagues God brings on his people when they are unfaithful. You see, God is wonderful when he disciplines us, when he calls us to accountability, when he doesn't just fool around with the fact we're drifting. He says, hey, wake up, get it together, come home to me. His disciplines are wonderful. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will continue in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-supported program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Or you can stop by our website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get back to the broadcast now. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenka with more of today's Reaching Your Heart. Wake up, get it together, come home to me. His disciplines are wonderful. And the twelfth time the word wonderful is used in the law of Moses, the Torah, it describes the wonderful word and law of God that we need to bring close into our hearts. When God's law and word is here, God is here. Deuteronomy 30 verse 11. For this commandment which I command you this day is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. Now the word hard is wonderful. Yeah, it's not too wonderful for you that you can't obey it and keep it and do it and live it is what God is saying through Moses. So God's word is wonderful when God's word is obeyed. The word for wonders or wonderful is used 12 times in the law of Moses. Why? Because the number 12 represents his people. We are as a corporate people to recognize that we worship a wonderful, active, and capable God. 
God is wonderful for His people. So when God shows up to save His people, in the future after the Torah, the word wonderful is used again in Joshua 3, 5. You follow the timeline of Scripture. Moses has died. A new leader has been appointed. What was his name? Who was the leader that followed Moses? It's Joshua. Now, Joshua is the Hebrew name for Jesus. Many people don't realize it. But when Joshua came in to conquer the land, he met that man with sword drawn in hand who was the captain of the Lord's host, the prince of the host, the very same word used for the Messiah prince in Daniel 8.11, which will be called the prince of princes in Daniel 8.25, which will be affirmed in Daniel 11.22 as the prince of the covenant and the prince of Daniel 9 who dies in the midst of the 70 weeks. You see, in that moment of time, the two Jesuses meet. The two Joshuas meet right there as he's coming into the promised land. He needs a leader. He needs someone who will show the way. And the pre-existent Christ as the prince of the Lord's army appears with a sword drawn in hand. You know the question that's asked. Are you for us or for our enemies? He asks. And the answer is given in a way, I'm not for either of you. I'm for the Lord. I stand for God. So when we follow Christ, be it the pre-existent Christ or the present Christ, we follow God. Not a man, not a church, not an ism, not an idea or a theology. We follow God. And when the Ark of the Covenant was ready to set out and lead the people across the Jordan, Joshua was the new leader. He was following the invisible angel of the Lord, the pre-existent Christ. And God made the promise that He will show them wonders again. That the wonders aren't just for the past. There are new wonders for the future. Look at verse 5 of Joshua 3. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Let's pause there. Think about that. It doesn't say, well, guess what he did last week? He did wonders when? Back then with Moses, he says, tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. How many of you are looking to your future for God to do wonders among us? To work wonders in our midst, wonders for our children, our family, those we pray for. Wonders for our church, for the world church, the local church, our division. Wonders in which hearts are broken, people are converted. The mission of the church becomes primary and not secondary. Look at verse 6. And Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. Now some people say, Pastor Mike, what's the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant was the box that held God in it. It held the Ten Commandments because if you have the law of God, you have God. If you have God's Word, you have God because God is His Word. That's the basic thought that was present in the Ark. If the Ark goes, God goes. His Word goes. His law is covenant. And it says, and So take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Now think about that a little bit. How many times have we led God with our ideas, our sense of what the church should be, our notions of what worship or evangelism should be, and the Ark of the Covenant is behind us? You hear me? What needs to go in front of us? See, God's Word must create the mandate of what we do and don't do. God's Word is that which leads us, or we don't go correctly. So the ark was the box that held God and His law in it. The covenant was inside that box. Friend, the covenant was a copy of the law of God written on blue sapphire stone. I could prove that to you from the Scriptures in Exodus 24, that God was standing on a sapphire stone in Exodus 24. 
And 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and there was under his feet, as it were, it says that sapphire stone. And then God calls Moses up, and he says, Come, and I will give you luchot ha'evan in Hebrew, tables from or of the stone. And the only stone in the context is the blue sapphire stone that God is standing on. And so this precious gemstone he extracted from what Ezekiel 126 will tell us is his throne. From his throne, he extracted the Ten Commandments. Because in Ezekiel 126, that blue sapphire stone that God is on is God's throne. So God was enthroned over the Ark of the Covenant, over the blue sapphire tables of the law, as he was enthroned over the blue sapphire throne at Mount Sinai in Ezekiel 1 and wherever that stone goes. And many Christians don't realize, but the Apostle Paul will make this bold statement There was a rock in the Old Testament that followed them. And that rock is not just an inanimate stone. In the pillar of fire and cloud, he says in 1 Corinthians 10, it followed them. And that rock was Christ. You go to Revelation 7, in the center of God's throne, the blue sapphire stone throne of God is the Lamb. You cannot separate God's authority from Jesus Christ. In fact, the metaphor teaches us that at the heart of Of all that is God, at the heart of his authority, is the person of Jesus Christ. The covenant, the word of God, proceeded and came forth from Christ. So Christ is the rock of ages. You know, sometimes songs get it right when theologians don't know what they're doing. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. You know, there's a reason why they put that spear in Jesus' side. Because Moses struck the rock. It's the same rock in the Hebrew Bible. It was the rock and the cloud that followed them that was to give them water. So the covenant was inside that box. A piece of that blue sapphire stone throne was right there. And the covenant was a copy of the law of God written for the people. And God's law and God's name in the Bible are always the same thing. When it says, hallowed be thy name, it means hallowed be thy law. Because God's name is a description of who he is morally. In fact, in 2 Samuel 6-2, the ark was called by the name of the Lord. So when the box that holds God's name and God's covenant and God's presence shows up, it's a wonderful thing that God is in the box. I want God in my box. What about you? I want him in the box of our church. But in a real sense, he was in someone more personally than he can ever be in us. The word for wonders is used two times in the book of Judges. In Judges 6.13, Judges 13.19. In Judges 6.13, Gideon is a little cynical with God. He challenges the angel of the Lord when the promise is made that God will deliver again. Look at Judges 6, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, he never fought a battle in his life. He was never engaged in warfare himself. Verse 13, And Gideon said to him, Pray, sir. He's speaking respectfully to the angel of the Lord, who is the pre-existent Christ, eternal God in angel form. Pray, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this befallen us? And where are all his wonderful deeds, which our fathers recounted to us, saying, did the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has cut us off and given us into the hand of the Midian. He says, well, look, God did wonderful words back then, but where is he now? I don't buy it. I don't see the presence of God in my life. He's interacting with the angel of the Lord very honestly here. Gideon is simply asking the angel of the Lord why the wonderful things of God are all in the past. 
And God tells Gideon that his works are yet to be felt because he says, Gideon, you are called to be a mighty man of valor. It is not the will of God there be anyone in the church who is a weak, passive presence in the church. We are called to serve God as valiant warriors and extenders of his kingdom. The second time the word for wonders is used is in Judges 13, 19. The angel of the Lord that appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was the preexistent Christ before he took the form of the angel of the Lord to reach his creatures. Paul tells us in Philippians 2, 6 that he was in the very form of God. He starts his journey before all time within the bosom of the Father, John says. Eternal deity Christ is. And then Paul says he became a servant. The servant was present in the Old Testament. Isaiah speaks in his servant songs of the angel of the Lord as the servant of the Lord. But then he becomes a human being as the servant. Look at the verses. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. You see, that didn't happen in Bethlehem's manger at first. That happened when he took the form of the angel of the Lord who was the guardian, protector, and servant of God's people in the Old Testament. But notice the condescension here. And was made in the likeness of men. And then he moved out of angel form into human form to become a human baby. Well, that will conclude the first portion of His Name is Wonderful. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com along with many other messages. They're available for you. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy. 888-244-HOPE That's 888-244-4673 The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support. 888-244-HOPE That's 888-244-4673 If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.